mixed martial arts and boxing fans. It's time for Fighters Fury, inside the heart of a champion. With your hosts, Brendan Tobin, Seema, and Tommy Guns. It's time for Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. Happy Sunday, everybody. Welcome on in. It is Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Tobin here with you for the next hour. We'll dive all over the world of mixed martial arts and boxing. We'll get into a very, very busy night of fights last night. We'll also be joined by two-time Olympic gold medalist, two-division world champion going for a third, Clarissa Shields, as I got a chance to speak with her at the legendary Fifth Street Gym in Miami Beach and very much enjoy getting to talk to T-Rex and get her thoughts on trying to make history, become the fastest to win a belt in three weight classes and the interesting tactics she's doing to do to uh, to get to that record. But we'll start off with last night. You had Errol Spence Jr. defeating Sean Porter via split decision. 116-111 on two scorecards. 115-112 going to Sean Porter's way on the other. Um, a very, very good fight. It was uh, – I, I tell you, we talked about this last week with this uh, with this matchup. I was kind of stunned when I brought up the odds when we were previewing this and it said Errol Spence minus 1,000. And it wasn't the fact that I didn't think he was going to win the fight. I certainly thought he was going to win the fight. Um, you know, I thought we saw – I thought we saw Errol Spence hit another level when we saw him take on Mikey Garcia. But, listen, the caveat is what it is. You have to recognize that he was taking on somebody who was coming up to weight classes. So – when you take on Sean Porter, you are taking on a different type of a different type of beast. You're taking on a guy who's very very strong, who is not fun to fight, who I wouldn't even like to call borderline dirty. He's a dirty fighter, and I don't even mean that in like a critical standpoint. Just how he fights. Nobody likes fighting Sean Porter. Nobody. So when I saw the odds at Minus a thousand. They went down a little bit as the week went on because I think everybody just kind of looked at it and it was like I think it was like plus eight hundred when we read last week. I mean, you get money that fat for a guy who's, you know, got razor thin loss to Keith Thurman. Like this is not a person who loses very often. And as good as Errol Spence looked, it just seemed a little bit too lopsided. And I th- I think we saw right out of the gate this was not going to be an easy fight. For Errol Spence. Errol Spence and Sean Porter went toe-to-toe. It was a very, very action-packed fight. Fought very much in a phone booth in close quarters. And and fun. It was a very, very fun matchup. I think the thing that's been interesting about watching Errol Spence these last two times, though, uh, you are seeing a guy who's a, who's a bit of a chameleon. You're seeing a guy who is able to adjust to styles. And I think with that type of stuff, you're able to see uh, greatness really soak through. He definitely was, I think, in danger of that fight slipping away, and he got a monster knockdown in the eleventh round. He hit Sean Porter with a with a short left hand, buckled him, put him down on the canvas. Uh, you know, Porter popped right back up, but it was a it was a monster of monster importance that he got that shot because you never know what the judges are looking at. Like we could, we we look at the scorecards and we see two judges that basically saw it the same that this was a a good it was a good competitive fight but was probably leaning towards Errol Spence and especially as the fight was winding down I think once we hit like those those middle rounds Sean Porter was really getting uh getting off his shots was making the fight even more his fight um I think you know hit Sean Porter with some with some vicious vicious shots 
But ultimately, what you got to see was I think Errol Spence is a little bit better. I think he's just a, a little bit better. He's a little bit of a cut above what Sean Porter is, and now he is WBC welterweight champion and IBF welterweight champion. And it's been very impressive to see this young man step into the spotlight, be a main event fighter, and not only that, but he's really going the tactic of trying to outdo guys at what they're best of. Now, you got to credit Sean Porter. I mean, he he is the one who's he's going to make fight. He makes every fight ugly. So, you know, when Errol Spence goes out there and he says, well, I, I wanted to show that I could, I could uh, beat him at this style, it's like, well, nobody wants to go out there and, and beat him at this style because we saw – I think he was uncomfortable with the idea of of throwing or 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 being at a distance. I don't think he knew how to dictate uh, from that from that style. You know, there were a couple of times where he was walking him down, and we didn't see the the type of range, the type of uh, heat seeking missiles that we saw against Mikey Garcia. Um, this was a guy that he had most success when he was engaged in those rough and tumble uh, scenarios, because. It's hard. It's hard to get to Sean Porter. Otherwise, like he is, uh, he's he's a he's a tough he's a tough guy to get in there with. You're gonna come out of there with damage. This is not. It's never an easy matchup. Um, but I thought that the fight showed what we thought going into last week was it was a it it shouldn't have been that lopsided as far as odds are concerned. And, you know, Sean Porter certainly had moments where he could have won that fight. I think it. I think it showed a lot of character by Errol Spence, where you know he got off to the hot start. Probably like we talking like rounds four through nine, you know that a lot of toss up rounds, a lot of toss up rounds that uh, started going Porter's way, um, and I think that we got to the point of the towards the end of the fight where I mean, man, I mean some some of the rounds were like real classics. These guys going back and forth, they really could have gone either way, um, but I do feel like the the right decision was made. Um, I don't feel like the, there's a lot of cause for robbery. I don't think there's a lot of people out there chirping that Porter should have won the fight. I think that what you have to credit with credit Porter with is making the fight his fight and making the fight in the style that he always makes it. Um, and some guys are just like that, you know. No matter what you think you're going to do when you go in there, they're going to make you know. Uh, Marcos Maidana comes to mind, like just a guy. Like no matter what, it's going to be awkward. It's going to be up against the ropes. He's going to hit you with some stuff. He's going to bludgeon your face. You'll probably, <clears throat> excuse me. You'll probably be um, a lot of top tier fighters will probably be more skilled and come out of there on top with uh, with with the decision. But you're going to wear a lot of a lot of pain after that fight. So uh, very entertaining bout for these guys. The only thing that I think you come out of last night disappointed with, if you're a boxing fan, is what came next. And that was, they go to Errol Spence, and they're talking about his performance, and it's all good. But then they get to who he's going to face next. And I don't mean to do the thing where I'm not basking in Errol Spence, but uh, in basking in his win and, and feeling like, is this guy top pound for pound? Um Right now, I just want to know that he's the top welterweight. I don't worry about top pound for pound. I'm not. I, I think that stuff can get a little bit silly. We get a little bit nutty with saying, "Oh, is this guy the top pound for pound fighter on the planet? Is this guy the top pound for pound fighter on the planet?" I don't even know if he's the best 147 on the planet. Do we know? I mean, do we know that he's better than Terence Crawford? He's getting more high profile fights. Um, I feel like Terence Crawford, up until a couple of years ago, wore that crown of everybody feeling like he was the best welterweight on the planet. 
and there's everybody else, especially when Keith Thurman got his injury. Um, but we're at this point right now where I want to know who the best 147-pound fighter on the planet is, especially before Errol Spence outgrows that division. I don't know how much longer he's going to stick around there. And what do we get last night? We get another PBC fighter and Danny Garcia. And this isn't meant to disrespect Danny Garcia. I'm a huge fan of his. He's an exciting fighter. Uh, crazy father slaps him in the ring. Um, but Danny Garcia right now is not in the discussion of one of the best welterweights on the planet. He doesn't have a belt. He just lost to Sean Porter two fights ago. So what is this fight proving? What I mean, because Errol Spence wants to make it a point where uh, you know, you wouldn't fight me when you were on top, and now you know I'm going to give you the fight you never gave me. Ah, ah. Like, there's there, there's two ways it should really go. It really should be he should fight Manny Pacquiao. He should fight Terence Crawford. That's it. I mean, it's probably hard to get Manny Pacquiao in the ring with Errol Spence. I can't imagine he wants that fight very much. He's a very big man. Although, I got to say, if I'm Manny Pacquiao and I watched that fight last night and I see. Errol get hit the way that he did um I'm feeling better about my chances like if you're Manny Pacquiao and you're watching the Mikey Garcia fight I'm like no 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 and he was ringside for that and he he wanted no part of 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 calling out Errol Spence doing what he did to a smaller fighter but you know that let's be honest after seeing what Manny did against Keith Thurman how good he looked um there's got to be a window of people that are just like I would like to I would like to see that matchup. I'd like to see what Manny could do if we're talking about a guy who's getting landed on a little bit more. Um what would that fight look like? And I just feel like at this point if you're if you're Al Heyman and you're guiding the career of Errol Spence and you're trying to put no doubt in everybody's mind that he's the best welterweight on the planet, what does a Danny Garcia fight do for him? What? I I'm just I'm scratching my head. And it was so awkward, too, because uh, the interviewer, Heidi uh, Andrel, I believe her name is, or Angle, um, you know, she's there. She goes, I just want to say that it's not that may Danny Garcia be next. He is next. And Danny Garcia is, like, right there. I don't know. It's so goofy to me. I always find that stuff weird. I feel like when a fighter just wins he should have his moment he should have the call out um I don't want it to be a position where he's just saying well I gotta talk to my management I gotta go uh, see what's uh, in the cars I never want that but what was the best thing that was unless unless Danny Garcia is going to be in there and he's going to shove Errol Spence which is a, a, a low rent move but unless he's going to be in there to start causing buzz for the next fight well then what is he doing there what is the point of it um I, I just it just seems like a tremendous waste of time for me. And there's this. Okay, so Terrence Crawford is kind of in no man's land with top rank in ESPN. And this story came across this week, which was fascinating. So Tyson Fury, and I'll explain why I'm going this roundabout way. So Tyson Fury signed with ESPN. He signed a big deal after the Deontay Wilder fight with top rank. You know, some are saying $100 million deal, monster deal. And Tyson Fury, part of the reason he said he wanted to go to ESPN was to get the most exposure possible. So he just fought this fight against Otto Whalen at uh, at T-Mobile Arena. 
And the reports this week were it was a business dud that the fight only sold, only sold for Tyson Fury, the lineal heavyweight champion of the world. Got to be looked upon as right now one of the top five most famous people in boxing. The fight only sold 3,577 tickets, under 3,600 tickets actually sold. If we're doing Marlon's Honest Attendance, the actual bought tickets was under 3,600 tickets. Okay? That's just shy of 18% of the venue's 20,000 capacity. All right? Uh, According to WBN, they had just under 4,000 complimentary tickets handed out. So, you know, do the quick math there. You're talking like 7,600 tickets, something like that, that were were handed out, that were there in the building to watch the quote-unquote lineal heavyweight champion, and he has, you know, this ESPN platform behind him. Point is, you can have whatever platform you want behind you. You can have the monster of Fox. You could have the beast of ESPN. You could be the face of DAZN. Um, all of that stuff. You could have, uh, you could have all three combined, like the Power Rangers. And if you give us a garbage fight. Or if you give us a fight that we don't want, we're not tuning in. Or or we're certainly not forking over our money for it. And so when these promoters like to drag out, you know, let's have you fight this guy and this guy and this guy. There'll be more buzz over you and Deontay Wilder. No, there's not. In fact, they announced this week that Deontay Wilder's fighting Luis Ortiz. Now, I love Luis Ortiz. Luis Ortiz lives down in Miami. Um... He is, he's, he's an absolute, absolute monster. Nearly beat Deontay Wilder, quite frankly. But I saw that fight. It was a classic. I don't really need to see it again. I don't see the point of it, other than Showtime's looking around or PBC's looking around and saying, oh, well, what heavyweights, heavyweights do we do we stick him with? Now, I guess Deontay Wilder will get credit for this. It was a competitive fight. So is he looking to do the Bermain Stavern where he beats Luis Ortiz more convincingly? Okay. But I would imagine if he does beat him more convincingly, most people are going to say, good job, Deontay, you beat a 48-year-old or whatever age they claim Luis Ortiz to be at this point. So I don't feel like he's going to get a lot of credit. Um, and on the, on the downside of it, he could lose. I mean, we, we've just seen Eddie Ruiz beat Anthony Joshua. Um, there's no, But there's no tiptoeing around things. There's no, there's no point of the fight happening. So... The way I relate this back to welterweight is you're talking about the heavyweight division right now, okay? Which inherently gets to gets to get a head start on things because people are just more genuinely the mainstream fam is more is more genuinely intrigued by heavyweights. You know, you could you could talk people into heavyweight fights by 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 a large margin over over smaller guys fighting. Other than Floyd Mayweather, he's an exception to the rule. Don't uh, you know? But the idea of Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence stringing along everybody to think that we're looking to have this fight and it's going to be even more wanted in 18 months or two years. It's a huge mistake because, you know, when Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao were doing this, this whole drag out scenario and the promotional riffs that they had with each other, those guys were monster stars on their own. Monster stars. Every flight that Floyd basically put in there was doing a million buys. Same thing with Manny Pacquiao for a long, long time. 
And it wasn't until they started seeing that stuff dwindle, that's when they decided, okay, it's time to finally do it. These guys, they need to build themselves up. They need to get themselves to that point of people caring about them like that. And I just don't see the purpose in fighting a Danny Garcia for what? For what, Errol Spence? For what, Al Heyman? For what, Premier Boxing Champions? What? What is the purpose of this? I know he's under your tent, but this doesn't make me want to see a Terrence Crawford anymore. Um, you're putting him out there at risk. And... I just feel like it's going to do nothing for his career. And I feel like at this point, Errol Spence, you're, you want to tout him as the best pound-for-bound fighter on the planet, and I don't even know if he's the best in his division. So how can I feel like that guy's on the verge of superstardom? There's all this talk this week about the idea that, uh, that you know, he can he be the next Floyd Mayweather? Can he be the next star? Kenny fighting Danny Garcia? This is in 2014. Like I don't, I just I don't I don't feel like this is a legacy builder for him. I get going to unify the belts. Beat Sean Porter. Sean Porter's a fun fighter. It wasn't like you know I was asked this week by uh, by Zazzle and Amber like, well, what is this fight on a scale of one to ten excitement level? And I said like seven and a half. I'm excited about it. I'll watch Sean Porter fight. It's not a ten. Ten is Terrence Crawford. You know, ten is Manny Pacquiao. He has to be an actual legend, a legend who just won another championship. That's that. Those are tens. Sean Porter, he's a he's got a belt. He's always going to bring it. Um, it's like seven and a half and eight for me. Danny Garcia is like a four. It, I'm basically tuning in just because I want to see Errol Spence do Errol Spence stuff. But man, it it just it, it's wholly disappointing that that's the, the 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 direction it looks like they're going. It really, really is. We'll get into a little bit of what went on yesterday in mixed martial arts, UFC, and plus my conversation with. Two division champion, going for a third, two-time Olympic gold medalist, Clarissa Shields, uh, with my sit-down with her at the Fifth Street Gym. We'll bring that to you next. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. Welcome back, guys. Tobin here with you on Fighters Fury. Last night you had Glory 68 in Miami. Shout out to Asa Tenpao, friend of the show. He got himself a win yesterday. Unanimous decision, 29-28 on all judges' scorecards. So shout-out to West Palm Beach's own from the Florida Kickboxing Academy. And uh, we appreciate him spending some time in studio this week. Also, uh, I tweeted this out last night. You guys can check it out. Uh, Alex Pereira, my God. This this knockout that he had, uh, it is it was a, it was a flatliner. It, I mean, there were a lot of great knockouts this weekend, to be honest with you, man. You had this. Uh, AJ McKee on Bellator had himself an eight-second knockout. Eight-second. By the way, I kept looking at Bellator. I was like, I was looking at this rundown of the car. I was like, well, it says Antonio McKee. Like, you talking about his dad? Like, his dad, his dad fought yesterday too. That's crazy. So the father and son in the same car, both getting knockouts. That's a really cool story, uh, which I think Bellator needs lately. You also had James Gallagher. They had a they had two cards this weekend. They won in Dublin. He finished uh, Ramon Salazar with a guillotine choke in 35 seconds in Dublin, jumped into the arms of Conor McGregor. So uh, Gallagher gets a nice bounce back for himself after he had that devastating knockout loss a couple fights ago. Michael Venom Page also got right. He got himself a win via flying knee. He was doing a lot of showboating as uh, MVP is one to do. Uh, this was kind of his, uh, 
his return, get 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 right. I do say Bellator is a kind of a cool thing where you know they got their stars, right? They have their quote unquote stars, the guys they build around, and you know if something ever happened to them, they try and do something to get them right. They're not just kind of throwing them back into the Shark Tank like the UFC does. You know, like uh, you know, Darren Till, he'll get his, he'll get, he'll get whooped by Tyron Woodley, and his, uh, you know, his his next fight is Jorge Masvidal. Like, there's no, there, there's no fluffers. There's no, there's no just, uh, just getting you right, get your head straight, knock off the ring rust, uh, get the kinks worked out. You know, with Michael Venom Page, he loses, and then they put him in there with a guy who's. You know, three and two, and let's see what let's see what happens here. But he won via flying knee, and he claims that Dan Mergliata uh, called him a piece of bleep, and that's something. So he was hoping that he doesn't uh, ref his fights again. But that was a thing this weekend. Uh, Patricio Pitbull got himself a win over Juan Archuleta. He uh, he goes on with the they have the whole featherweight Grand Prix that's going on. Gegard Mousasi he avenged his loss to Leon Machida. He won via split decision yesterday. Now in UFC action. You had uh, you had Copenhagen. You had UFC Copenhagen. And Jared Cannonier, the killer gorilla, he had himself a TKO win over Jack Hermanson. And this Jared Cannonier, man, he has been on an absolute tear since going to middleweight. He's got wins over David Branch, who uh, just got knocked out of the uh, <laughs> knocked out of the ranks for for juicing. You have Anderson Silva beat him with uh, Anderson's uh, leg getting torn up by Jared. And now went over Jack Hermanson, who man, Jack, I mean, Joker was a was a sneaky title contender, and now I think Cannonier is a sneaky title contender. I, I, quite honestly, I don't even feel like it's it's sneaky when you beat a guy at the rankings of Jack Hermanson. You're right in there. Uh, Mark Madsen had a hell of a debut. He uh, he absolutely dominated in front of his crowd. Uh, shout out to Killer Burns who trains here locally. Got himself a win over Gunnar Nelson. He looked absolutely fantastic, too. That was a fun fight between those guys. Uh, he won a unanimous decision 29-28 on all judges' scorecards. Really pulling out some funky stuff. Uh, it was a fun fun matchup for the for the grapplers. But also, I mean, they threw some good strikes in there, too, man. Uh, really, really, uh, really, really impressive. Uh, Ian Kutalaba, he got himself a win over Khalil Roundtree. Won in a TKO fashion in the first round. Scary knockout by him. Uh, and she, man, Ovin St. Preux, what can be said about this dude? Uh, everybody's saying this, but it's it's only right. Like, the Von Flute choke, I mean, it, I feel like it already should have been at a point where it was it was renamed the Von Preux choke, but he gets another one yesterday, another one. It's cra- And he feels like he's got one of the rare bodies that can do it, just the leverage that he can get at the positions that he's at. It's super, super impressive. So that's kind of your rundown of what action was there yesterday. Now, this uh this past week, uh I think it was Tuesday, I went out to the Fifth Street Gym in Miami, you know, famed where Muhammad Ali used to train. It's moved around a couple times. It's not the original location that it used to be, obviously. But uh I actually like the new location. I was asking because I haven't been to Fifth Street Gym in a while. Um I remember its old location. It was kind of like it had like the storefront and in the back and uh it's little. It was. It was. It, the, the new place is just so much nicer. I don't know. It feels. It just feels like they got all the, the st- the stuff put together. But it's always fun going to these things, man. And I got a chance to sit down with Clarissa Shields, um, two-time Olympic gold medalist, maybe the best, one of the best women's fighters on the planet, probably the best women's fighter on the planet. She is uh, trying to make history. She's trying to break Lomachenko's record of winning a belt in three weight classes in the fastest amount of time. Lomachenko did it in twelve fights. She's looking to do it in ten. This upcoming Saturday on Showtime, she's fighting in Flint, Michigan, her hometown. I got a chance to sit with her after her sparring session, 
and right before her media workout. And here is my conversation with Clarissa Shields. All right, we're at the Fifth Street Gym with two-time, two-division champion Clarissa Shields, two-time Olympian gold medalist Clarissa Shields, now going for your third division championship, looking to make it in record-breaking pace. Was this important to you to, to want to do it in this amount of time, 10 fights to, to go get three divisions? Absolutely. You know, it's just important for me to fight the best. And people say that the better girls who are better skilled and who are faster and who can challenge me were at 154. So I decided to go down to 154 and see what happens. And now that we're there, uh, they found me one of the girls who's ranked number one for the WBO, uh, Ivana Habazin, and she's 20, uh, 20 wins, uh, I believe three losses. She's been she's been in a she's been in the ring with world champions Cecilia Brockes, and. Uh, she's bringing that experience to the ring on October 5th. So normally, like, as we, you know, most people see on the men's side, like, when they're going to get other belts, they're usually going up and up and up. Mm -hmm. This is a different tack for you. You're going, you're going down. Is, was there hesitation in doing that? Did you, did you want to take it head on? Uh, what mm -hmm. kind of went to the discussion of wanting to go get it and have to go down to go get it? Well, coming, becoming undisputed at 160, we kind of were just like, you know, what's next? And there aren't any more girls for me to beat at 160. The girls are all at 168, and I've been there before. And at 168, the girls who are champions, and I will say names, Alicia Napoleon, uh, I already fought against French John, but Alicia Napoleon just, just does not want to unify, does not want to put our belt on the line. So that's one of the main reasons why I went down to 160, to become undisputed champion. And now that I beat all the girls at 160, it's like, do we go back up to 68? Do we defend at 60 and fight everybody I beat already, or do we go lower? And I want to go lower to just let Cecilia Brockers know that I'm, that, that I'm getting closer and closer to her and uh, that we can make the fight at 54 and that, I, and that I can beat the top girls at 54 also. When you jumped into the deep end of your professional career and you're still having the success that you did in the Olympics and you're steamrolling everybody and you're having this great success, um, how does it go trying to find these challenges? Like, do you... Is it, does it take a lot of reflecting of what you actually want to do that you find challenging? Is it, does it, is it hard finding fighters that get you out of bed that motivate you to go train? Or, do, or is just going after legacy enough? I love fighting. You know, and I love boxing. I love women's boxing. I love that I'm one of the women who is carrying the sport and who's making it uh, be bigger and be more known and get more respect. So until a woman fighter, either myself or another woman fighter, makes a million dollars, I'll never stop being hungry. And uh, there's girls out there who feel like they can beat me. So that's another reason why I get up out of bed, why I train, uh, why I put in the time. And also, too, I just want to show the men that you guys are you guys are good, but I'm great. Like, I can beat Lomachenko's record in becoming a three-time division world champion in 10 fights, and he did it in 12. And then I did, I didn't, then I did the going backwards. Like, I didn't go up in weight. I did it coming down where there's more challenges, more competition, and better girls. What do you think it is that will kind of get you through that barrier? Because you're one of the most recognizable people in the sport. You're a great ambassador for the sport. You're basically, I always see you interacting basically on every fight night watching the sport. Um, so what do you think it's going to take to get to that, where you get that pay level that you think you deserve? Um, just my performances, to be honest. I feel like, well, I know from all my fights that the paycheck has went up and up. And the more risks that I take, and the more known that I am, the more money I get. So that's just for me, just keep building my brand and putting on some great performances. And, and I feel like against Ivana, I'm going in there to knock her out. And, and if I get the big knockout, then, you know, I'll go viral and I'll make some more money. What does it mean to be uh, fighting in your hometown? Uh, it means everything. You know, with Flint, 
got the water crisis going on right now, the poverty level, the murder rate, it's so much stuff going on there. Um, I'm always the good news. Whenever my name is mentioned, like people eyes light up. I'm like the hope for my town. So I'm happy to be bringing back a fight back home while I'm still on top. Like I'm not close to my retirement yet. I'm on top right now. I have all the belts right now. And I'm fighting for a three-division world championship to become the fastest boxer ever in my hometown. I feel like Flint will be uplifted by that. Have you heard what the buzz has been back home? Have you gotten any, like, uh, any with what the, uh, the spy reports are on it? Oh, man, they're, they're, they're going crazy back home, especially, like, the, 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 uh, the kids and the teenagers. Everybody is super excited. All the seats that were $100 and $150, which were the top price for our seats, are sold out. So I think we're going to have a big sellout. Uh, my manager told me that we're doing 100 tickets a day. So uh, just with that, we probably got a few hundred more tickets left. And we're a week out, a week and some change out from the fight. So I feel like it's going to be a sellout, and that's going to be a huge homecoming. Uh, we're down here in Miami, so before I let you go, you trained down in South Florida. What brought you down here? Uh, why do you like coming down here to get some work in? Well, one thing I can say is, like, the world-famous Fifth Street Gym. Like, Muhammad Ali used to train here. I feel like every time I come here that I'm in his presence, I feel like um, it makes me want to be greater. And then I come down here, and it's like all these different guys. I spotted guys down here um, up at Fifth Street. And uh, just to come to Florida and train, it was good for my weight. Like, I had to cut a little bit of weight to, to get down to this weight class. I, I've been in camp for nine weeks, and it's hot every day. Every day is hot and it's humid and I'm just sweating my butt off. I'm working hard and the pounds are just coming off, coming off, coming off. So that was a plus for me to come down here. All right, well, everybody tune in October 5th, Showtime. Clarissa Shields going for her third division championship. Thanks so much for the time. We really appreciate it. No problem. You're welcome. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. So the bagel boss guy didn't show up to his fight? That's lame as hell, man. No honor. Stunningly, no honor in the bagel boss guy not showing up. I'm ashamed to use Zaslo. He was in L.A. That's fair. He had to do his radio shows. You're not going to do a showdown with Screech? All honesty, you got off. It feels like you you got let off the hook a little bit because Dykstra is not going to do it. But then you didn't do it. That's eh, weird, man. Um, some people right. I'm like I'm looking at some of the reaction yesterday from the Errol Spence fight, which again, I just want to. I just I think it should be highlighted. What I mean, it really was a great. First of all, an awesome fight. I, I don't feel like I, I gave it. It's just doing the first time because I was upset with the whole Danny Garcia thing. Um. And it was it was so weird, also, just because like they're just like here's Danny Garcia, and even Errol Spence is like, all right, is that gonna do business? Is that gonna be a pay? Let me tell you something right now. That's not a pay per view fight. That is not a pay per view fight. I, I I really hope that if they're gonna do that, that is gonna be on free Fox at least to get him. You know, if you're gonna play the exposure card, that's how you should do it. Do not put that on pay per view. You are going to get absolutely, absolutely slammed. Um, 
It was announced this week, by the way, that the Deontay Wilder-Luis Ortiz fight is going to be a Fox pay-per-view. It's not going to be Showtime. So as we just talked to Clarissa Shields, she's going to be on Showtime uh, upcoming next week. I don't know how much more Showtime's going to be in boxing. It's It feels like the days are kind of dwindling for Showtime to be broadcasting the sweet science. Um if that is the case, man, I hope that they, uh, I hope that they scoop up the broadcast from there. More Ronaldo, Paulie Malignaggi, Al Bernstein, that Fox crew is. Kenny Albert's good. Lennox Lewis is not good. He is not good. I don't know who the other guy is. I, I, I think it's Goosen. Not a fan. Um, right now in the power rankings of of broadcast crews, if I were to count Showtime, I feel like right now ESPN's got the top crew: Joe Tess, Andre Ward, Tim Bradley. I think that uh, Mark Kriegel, I feel like that's bar none the best going right now. Uh, Showtime's got a good crew. Then I go to Zone, uh, Brian Kenny, uh, Sergio Mora, Chris Mannix. They do a really good job. Uh, the only thing that sucks about the Zone is the streaming. I mean, it's just it's terrible quality. Um, and and then I would go I would go Fox. Fox is just it, it, and it's a distant fourth. It's a distant fourth it is not it is not quality right now but um the thing i just want to say yeah the fight was it, it was an absolute dynamic fight fight of the year candidate for sure um and errol spent i think the thing that's disappointing about it is where you go to a danny garcia is i just feel like errol spence is like you could take that performance the, the performance against mikey garcia the performance against sean porter and and now you pounce. This is kind of like where it should be like that Floyd Mayweather Canelo moment where you just like think, oh, yeah, you think I'm not fighting anybody that you care about, but here you go, boom. Now I'm going to give you the fight you all want. Yesterday was also Terrence Crawford's 32nd birthday. What are we going to do? We're going to wait till Terrence Crawford's 34? Is that what we're going to do here? Um, just a bummer. And I will say, so this is the thing where – you know, I don't want to make this a whole boxing versus UFC thing because I love them both. I, I'm not one of these people where, uh, <laughs> oddly enough, like I was having this conversation with uh, with Joe Rose the other day in the parking lot. We were talking about fights. And, um, you know, he's like, well, what do you like more? Do you like boxing or MMA? I'm like, I love them both. I'm not one of these guys that chooses both. Uh, I would say if, I ha- if you had to tell me it's going to be the best boxing match of all time or the best MMA match of all time, I'll probably go boxing if I'm forced to choose. But I love them both. And what we got this week was the reason why the UFC is so great. Because we're getting the Jorge Masvidal. Like, think of this closeout to the year. Next week, we get Israel Adesanya versus Robert Whitaker in Australia. It's going to be a crazy atmosphere. We'll get into that fight in a second. Coming up just a few weeks after that in the next pay-per-view, Jorge Masvidal Nate Diaz, a fans of the fight created. Nate, perfect. Then it was announced this week, Colby Covington, Kamara Usman is going to be happening at UFC 245 on top of Max Holloway versus Alexander Volkanovsky, on top of getting to see the Lady Goat, Amanda Nunes, take on Jermaine Durandamy. I mean, as far as the sport's concerned... Yeah, I guess right now you could say they don't have a quote-unquote you know, superstar. They don't have a Conor McGregor right now. Uh, but, my God, this sport has just got – they got so many fights the fans want to see. Really, I would say the only, the only dream fight that 
isn't out there right now that we haven't gotten yet is Habib versus Tony Ferguson. And Tony Ferguson was tweeting some uh, some hints towards some fight news. Hopefully the answer is he's fighting Habib next. Um, but, man, like, if you went into this year and you were to talk about all the fights that you wanted to see, you've pretty much gotten them from the UFC, right? Like, the only one that we were really teased with over the last 18 months with UFC and never got was Daniel Cormier versus Brock Lesnar. Like, other than that, they've really come through with everything. Now they're even talking about a DC versus Stipe, Stipe trilogy. So, you know, I, I just that is the thing that, that therein lies what is super frustrating about it. Like, we should have this answer of who's going to be the guy, Terrence Crawford, Errol Spence. We're gonna sit here, dosy doing. We're gonna be, we're gonna be doing this, uh, this, this chicken dance for probably another two years until they absolutely run out of opponents, or Terrence Crawford has to leave ESPN and come to Fox. But it's a, it's a major bummer. It's a major, major bummer. Um, but yeah, as far as the news of Colby Covington versus Kamar Usman, glad it's gonna finally happen. Had to happen. Had to figure out who the guy at welterweight is. That fight is layered too. Um, it, it's got, you know, you guys remember from our interview with Colby a few weeks back, um, what that fight means to him as far as winning it for, uh, American top team, the old school black zillions now, you know, hard knocks 365 and, and, and that whole group together. So runs back a little bit. Uh, although now Colby's like, uh, I guess he's got a new management group on top of Dan Lambert. So there's some weird stuff going on there, but Either way, uh, Colby, uh, whatever you think about him, and I know a lot of people hate his guts, that performance against Robbie Lawler was absolutely spectacular. Absolutely spectacular. And his last two, his his you know his, his run really, quite frankly, recently in the ring, uh, in the octagon, has been amazing. And so is Camaro's. So um, that matchup's going to be fun, man. I really, really can't wait for it. And it's good that we're getting that really incongruent with Jorge Masvidal versus Nate Diaz because I imagine whoever wins the Bad Mother Bleeper belt is gonna be next in line for the title, like, you know, I like I saw uh, saw Era Hawani right, like well, this kind of leaves Leon Edwards without an option. It's like, yeah, well, them's the breaks. Leon Edwards will find an option. They'll find a cool option for Leon Edwards. You know, that put put Leon Edwards against somebody of that that can uh, bring him up a few notches. But like, yeah, them's the breaks. Sometimes sometimes you're you're out on the side. Talk to Tony Ferguson about. You know, being without a dance partner, it it happened. Talk to the, you know all the waiting Dustin Poirier had to do to get a title shot. Um, that happens. Like right now, and and I don't feel like he's being unfairly, unfairly uh, frozen out. Like Leon Edwards has been a good fighter. Um, he's certainly in the mix there, but he's in the mix. He's not on the doorstep. Those other guys are. That 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 little foursome right there is the foursome everybody cares about right now. So very very exciting. As far as next week is concerned. We have UFC. We got we got UFC 243 from Australia. One note from this: Holly Holm that was reported this week. She is pulled out of her fight with Raquel Pennington due to injury. So we're not getting that. You got uh, Robert Whitaker versus Israel Adesanya. Absolute monster. Um, I'm leaning towards Robert Whitaker taking this fight, man. The, the only the thing with the thing with Stylebender, who's absolutely amazing and. Brings a lot of flash. I will say that that fight that he had with Kelvin Gaston, the way he pulled it out, absolutely marvelous. I mean, it was as gutty as it gets. He looked like an absolute Frankenstein after that fight happened. Uh, but Robert shown that guts too, man. Robert had those fights against Yoel and a, a couple just absolute, 
absolute tough, tough matchups where broken, broken foot, uh, a broken hand, um, messed up knee. So you had you have a guy who's both two guys who are just absolutely willing to go through anything um, in this New Zealand versus Australia whole oceanic uh, continent type of uh, type of uh, showdown. It's 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 absolutely awesome. Uh, but I feel like, you know, after seeing some of the shots that we did see Israel take, um, yeah, I feel like I feel like Robert Whitaker can get to his game a lot better. I feel like he could bring a lot more, um, and, and has more ways to get to the, to, to victory than Stylebender does. I do feel like you want to talk about stars. If Stylebender wins this, I will say this: if Stylebender wins this fight, his move has to be calling out John Jones. That's the move. Even though it's crazy talk and you wouldn't, you're like, oh, 185 to 205, he's got to do it. Like that's because if he does that, that's the type of move that makes you a star. I think Stylebender is on the doorstep of being a star. If he's able to get the win over Robert Whitaker, that's that's where he goes next. If Robert Whitaker wins, I guess he's fighting Jared Cannonier next. I don't know. Um, it's it's uh, it's a little bit up in the air right now as far as what you would do next with with uh, with the old Bobby Knuckles. But from my standpoint. I feel like a style bender win. Um, you got you got the makings of somebody who's an absolute star in the making. And if Robert Whitaker wins, you know I, I feel like you have a good you have a good fighter who could be a great champion at middleweight. Uh, you got the Paulo Costa matchup that's down the line as well. Um, but man, I don't even know if Paulo Costa is going to be long for that division. You know, they were talking about uh, his weight cutting percentage afterwards from his uh, from his previous fight with Yoel and. You know that's uh that that's one where both of them may meet up. It may be uh, Stylebender versus versus uh, Paulo Costa, but it may be a weight class up. Who knows? But it's uh it's a fun matchup, man. You also have on this card you have Ally Quinta, Dan Hooker. That's a fun fight. Two guys, two guys who throw down. Uh, very fun striking between both of them. Um, Dan Hooker's got the uh, the the home field advantage, if you will. Tied to Ivasa, the shoey man. He is coming back out. Bam Bam taking on Sergey Spitvach. Uh, he is uh, he's he's always fun to watch, and he's he needs a win, man. Like Taitui Vasa is in, in need of a win. He's had uh, I think a couple of losses in a row now. So you're talking about a guy who I think has also a lot of potential to make some noise in the heavyweight division. They really put the rocket to his back with the whole shoey thing, and you know has had uh, has had a couple tough ones against some absolute legends. So they gave him they gave him the old uh, they gave him. The big, uh, the big, the big come up. You know, beat Andre Arlovsky, lost to Junior dos Santos in a real, real fun fight, and then lost to uh, Blagoy Ivanov, and that was in June. So pretty quick turnaround for him. Um, I'm rooting for him to win because I think there's there's a lot of fun stuff that goes on there if he gets the win. So yeah, that's your that's your card last that's your card next week from Australia. Also, you have Sergey Derevchenko taking on Gennady Golovkin. For the vacant IBF middleweight title, this is the one they stripped Canelo of. Um, I got Canetti winning. I feel like I feel like he's got a lot of frustration. He's going to get out in this fight, and uh, you know, and Sergey wasn't uh, the greatest shakes the last time we saw him in there. Also, you got uh, Ivan Baranchik, who's taking on Gabriel uh, Bracero in a junior welterweight matchup. Uh, Ivan trains down at Tropical Park with uh, Pedro Diaz. And those guys from Mundo Boxing. So if you're looking for a little bit of a local tie, guy trains down here, so you guys can root him on. And then of course we have next week Clarissa Shields taking on Ivana Habazin. 
for the vacant WBO Women's Junior Middleweight title as she is looking to make history. So you got yourself an action-packed, action-packed week of fights next week between UFC, Showtime Boxing, the Zone Boxing, uh, a lot of fun, fun matchups coming up next week uh, in the in the whole tilt. So be on the lookout for that, but I'm going to go. Uh, I, I don't really see any uh, any big upsets coming our way, so I feel like well, let me take a look. I am curious. I wonder what the Whitaker Adesanya odds are versus Adesanya odds. Bink, before we get out of here, let's see where we're at right now. Odds checker. We have very – we've got uh, – got it's basically a pick em. It's super, It's super close. I got plus 100 for Israel Adesanya some places. Two other places I got pick em. It's very, very close. So – I, I'm picking. I'm picking Robert Whitaker to win that fight. Uh, Tied to Ivasa to win. I'll go with Dan Hooker to get the win over Ally Quinta. Clarissa Shields to get her win, and Triple G to get his win. And so I'm not really going on a too big a limb. I don't really see any big limbs to go out there. So I'm gonna stay in the tree. I'm gonna stay in the tree, and we'll talk to you guys uh, same time, same place next week. You missed any of the show? Download the podcast. Always appreciate you guys. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Radio.com. It's all there for you. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. If you guys love yourself some uh, some Heat basketball, we will be live from Miami Heat Media Day tomorrow, myself and Leroy, and, of course, have all your reaction to the football this weekend, including Dolphins looking to complete Phase 4 of Tank for Tua because if you saw him yesterday, he was amazing, and that guy needs to be the Dolphins quarterback. Let's just be frank. I don't, I don't want to hear any of this nonsense about lines. But that is a conversation for tomorrow's show. For the rest of today's show, I bid you adieu.